The fear of snakes or spiders are among the world's most common phobias. They're rooted in a human's evolutionary embedded survival instincts to detect danger. Not helping matters are the terrifying stories about spiders like the Sydney funnel web, whose large fangs can rip through shoe leather to kill a person in just 15 minutes. Or snakes like the king cobra, whose venom can kill up to 20 people or one elephant. However, a number of common myths about these creepy creatures are misleading. Despite all the infamy of funnel webs, they're actually more afraid of you, and their venomous superpowers are nothing more than the result of a happy evolutionary accident. And even though their presence can instantaneously leave many grown adults frozen in fear and on top of the nearest piece of furniture, snakes remain hopelessly misunderstood outcasts among their animal kingdom peers. While it's highly unlikely you'll ever come into contact with deadly snakes or spiders in modern day life, you can still use the cold, hard scientific truths about them to face your fears. And it may even be good for you. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story uses science to debunk some of the most common myths about snakes. Despite an aggressive reputation, not all snakes are venomous or even all that dangerous. Scientists say the more humans learn about them, the more likely we are to conquer some of our deepest, darkest fears. Our second story explains how a highly venomous group of spiders got their powers. Solving a decades-long mystery, new research reminds us that some of the most feared human threats are nothing more than convenient evolutionary coincidences. This is The Abstract. Look the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now debunking some of the most common myths about snakes. Snakes are widely misunderstood. Today, we are going to debunk some common myths. Does every ball python get four feet or five feet or six feet? No. Only venomous snakes have teeth, right? No. Snakes are deaf. Totally incorrect. Snakes on a plane! But if you turn around and start running, they're definitely not going to chase you down. I didn't hear that. No, snakes aren't slimy. That is a myth. Aren't snakes nature's snakes? Snakes. Nature's quitters. I've got some great stories about snakes. Do snakes eat peaches? I don't know no snakes. The fear of snakes is one of the most common phobias that exists. Not helping matters is the number of common myths about snakes, which can often fuel even more slithering, slimy fear. However, these fears are common and can be dispelled simply by gaining more personal knowledge about these creatures. Inverse's Joanna Wendell recently took on the duty of debunking snake myths for Inverse and is here with us right now. Hey, Joanna, good to have you. Good to be here. So I have to ask, are you a snake person? Where are you on the, the the snake spectrum? Yeah, I am on the excited, interested, love snakes side of the snake spectrum. I think they're really, really cool. I also happen to think they're adorable, which I know that even some people who like snakes don't actually think they're cute, but I think they have cute little faces and I've always loved snakes. Fair. So for those toward the other side of the spectrum, it's possible it could be for reasons that aren't even necessarily true. You kind of broke it all down, figured we could hit upon these myths one by one. An expression for starters, the slimy snake, something we've all heard. Possible this expression is a lie. Snakes are not slimy, unless they've been, I guess, slithering through something slimy. They are very smooth and sort of cool to the touch. They shouldn't feel cold because otherwise you have a snake that's 
too cold and maybe not healthy, but I think it's a, they have a really cool feeling, especially when you're holding a snake and you let them kind of slither on your arms. It's just sort of like, I don't know, it's a cool, smooth, you can kind of feel their scales, but definitely not slimy like a slug. I think one of the biggest fears about snakes is that they're poisonous. How true is that, though? How, how venomous are snakes, ultimately? Yeah, well, there, there aren't that many venomous snakes. I think in my story, it was, what, 20% of all snakes are venomous. So obviously, if you are in like an unfamiliar environment or if you're curious about the snakes around where you live, you should probably be aware of whether you live near venomous snakes. But, you know, the little garter snakes you see in your backyard, little black ones with the, with the yellow, orangey stripe, they're not venomous. They can bite, certainly, if you handle them and, and they feel threatened. But, you know, with any, as with any wild animal, you should be cautious approaching a snake, especially in the wild. If you have a pet snake, it's a little different because snakes that are, that are used or bred for being pets are a little more tame, a little more calm. But yeah, the vast majority of snakes are not venomous, but, you know, just check out what's in your area. Or if you're going hiking in the desert, maybe figure out, you know, what venomous snakes are out there. But always remember that snakes are more scared of you than that you are of them. And they're going to try to get away. And you, yeah, I mean, don't, you know, you don't have to be afraid of a snake, like chasing after you, like they're going <laughs> to, right. They're going to try to get away from you. But of course, if a wild animal feels threatened, it will defend itself. And then there's this notion that baby snakes are even more venomous than adult snakes. How true does that end up being? Yeah. So what I read while researching this article was that this, there's no real evidence behind this this um, myth that baby snakes are more dangerous because they they somehow can't regulate their like venom injection, um, whereas adult snakes can regulate. Um, but yeah, I didn't find any evidence really for that. Um, it sounds like there's a lot we don't we don't really understand about how snakes you know inject venom or in what quantities they do that. So I think that's a pretty pretty accepted myth. I hadn't thought about this, but there's also this idea that snakes are basically a tail, like one huge tail, anatomically speaking. And perhaps there's something creepy about that. But oddly enough, that's that's not the case anyway. Yeah. So um, it, it definitely makes sense to look at a snake and think like, oh, you're just a head and then a tail. Um, but, you know, snakes are tetrapods. They came from animals that have four limbs. So if you look at their, you know, skeletons, yes, they have a lot of ribs, but the ribs that make up sort of the upper part of their body towards the head are different than the ones that make up the tail. So, so snakes do have like different segments of their body, just like any other animal. They just don't have legs to make it easier to see that on the outside. Fair enough. You know, snakes have this reputation for being aggressive and, you know, this predator that's going to attack you. But is that always necessarily the case? Right. I mean, um, you know, as far as I understand, there are certainly more docile snakes. I mean, so I have a corn snake. Um, and his name's Banana, and I just got him. And one of the reasons I got a corn snake is because, you know, the person working at the reptile store said that corn snakes um, were, a, were were basically a great snake for beginner 
snake owners. They're really docile. They're, they're relatively easy to quote unquote tame. So, you know, I've held, I've held banana a few times since I got him. And, you know, the first couple times he like wiggles around extra hard, but he started to like calm down in terms of snakes being quote unquote aggressive. I would just go back to, you know, any wild animal that feels threatened will try to defend itself. Right. So, you know, you come across a snake, if you're on a hike or something, you know, give it space. Um, and don't try to touch it unless you know for sure that it is a non-venomous, you know, snake like a garter snake. And even then you really shouldn't be handling wild animals. I do not condone trying to handle wild animals. However, I did grow up catching garter snakes in the backyard and have been bitten a few times or garter snakes, especially spray this really, really awful smelling musk as a defense mechanism. And that is truly the worst smell in history, but it doesn't hurt you. <laughs> right. I have to ask, what do you think it is about snakes that makes them so misunderstood? There seems to be just at the end of the day, something about snakes that some people just can't get behind. Yeah. I mean, it could just be something like, you know, you see something unfamiliar and sort of alien right in the corner of your eye and you're the fear processing parts of your brain react first. And you're like, what is that? Right. And then, you know, maybe the higher functioning parts of your brain realize, Oh, it's a snake. And then, you, you know, of course there's, there's people who have phobias of snakes and I'm, I'm not super sure what's behind that, but it could be something, you know, evolutionary, like we learn to fear snakes or we, you know, ancient, our ancient ancestors, uh, were, you know, learned to fear snakes because we didn't know then which ones could kill us and which ones couldn't. Any any new snake you encounter in the wild, well, <laughs> maybe that that's one that could kill me or not. So maybe it was an evolutionary thing. You can see the thinking there. Um, Joanna's story is very visual. You can check out more at inverse.com. Thanks a lot, Joanna. Yeah, thank you so much. The Sydney funnel-web spider's venom is exceedingly dangerous. Its neurotoxic effects attack the human body and can kill a person in just 15 minutes. In a new spin on a series of unfortunate events, a new study explains how this highly venomous group of spiders got their powers. Is that a tarantula? No, 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 no. I think that's funnel web spider. That's an exceptionally large female funnel web. That is amazing. There's a Sydney funnel web right here. Funnel web spiders. Oh, huge spider. Right there, right there, right oh, there, right whoa. there. They wait at these funnels for prey to come along. Armed with a set of massive fangs. As an adult, they can pierce your fingernails. The ferocity of that hit and the fangs going in. You can already see the venom coming off the tips of the fangs. Just a single bite from this spider has the ability to kill a human. Oh, spider! Do not underestimate the power of that venom. Funnel web spiders have long had a frightening reputation, containing chemicals called delta hexatoxins. These spiders' venom are toxic to humans' nervous systems. For years, researchers thought the venom evolved to help spiders kill their insect prey. Generally, the venom doesn't kill mammals. Dogs, cats, rabbits, and mice all get away scot-free. But to primates, including human beings, the venom is lethal. 
an effect that earned the spider its infamy. A September 2020 study published in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences called these lethal side effects an unfortunate evolutionary coincidence. The study describes the funnel web spider's disturbing origin story like this. Basically, they developed their venom as a defense mechanism against insect predators like flies and cockroaches. But as time went on, their toxic effects were repurposed to target vertebrates, causing this fatal-to-humans effect. They concluded, this lethal potency against humans is just a happy accident for the funnel webs and an unfortunate evolutionary coincidence for humans. Nina Pulano wrote all about this for Inverse and joins us right now with more. Hey, Nina. Hey. So first, let's look back to the evolutionary beginning here. How did these spiders first develop their venom and how did it evolve to become as notorious as it is today? Yeah, so these spiders are known for being really venomous, really dangerous to humans. They produce toxins that can even kill humans, can be fatal. And it has been puzzling for scientists because in the wild, the main predators that these spiders would come up against would be insect predators like flies or or cockroaches. So they were confused as to why the venom would have such a powerful effect in mammals like humans that are not the number one predators that these spiders are looking out for. So just to dig a little deeper, the funnel web spider's venom contains specific chemicals called delta hexatoxins. And those are what basically get the job done, right? What is it about these chemicals that are so toxic to humans' nervous system? What ends up happening? Right. When a chemical like this attacks the human nervous system, it can lead to all sorts of symptoms that are really intense, things like sweating and vomiting and muscle spasms. Uh, And of course, with this spider, we know that it can even be fatal. So for this study in analyzing these chemicals, these delta hexatoxins, there it is one more time, what did they learn about these toxins on an evolutionary level, especially with regards to what ended up making it so poisonous to humans? It comes down to evolution. And they looked at a group of 22 of these delta hexatoxins and um, looked at venom glands from 10 different species of this spider. There are about 40 species in total of funnel web spiders. And by doing this deep analysis, this chemical analysis of the toxins, they were able to figure out that this process of using these toxins as as self-defense has really ancient origins. And they also got into why they think these spiders are now toxic to humans. What they did was they tested the toxins in mice and they found that they cause pain in another mammal. What that translates to happening in nature is that when these spiders leave their nest, they may leave their burrows, their dwellings, when they reach sexual maturity to go out and find a mate. That might mean wandering long distances and along the way they may run into dangerous predators that would not normally be someone they'd encounter. So that could be rodents or other mammals. um, And that helps to explain why humans as mammals would also be affected by this venom. And one other thing, they were also able to discover more about the differences between male and female venom, right? Is one more lethal than the other? And why might that be? In case I'm ever in Australia, I'll know to run away faster. (laughs) Right. Um, Yes, the male venom is much more lethal than the female venom. And really what they think there is it comes down to mating. So because it would be the males who would be the ones to wander away from safety, uh, wander away from their burrows out looking for a mate, they'd be the ones more likely to run into these mammals and, and, you know, other predators along the way. It's interesting that despite 
despite all the infamy, as fatal as this venom is to humans, it all was an unlucky coincidence. And as unfortunate as that is for us humans, we can turn this around as a positive because they say that the venom from these spiders can actually be used in medical science. How so? Yeah, having a better understanding of what exactly it is that this venom and that these toxins do to human bodies can help us in medical science potentially to develop treatments. Also because we know because we know these toxins were initially evolved to target insects, it could also help us potentially discover new types of insecticides, for example. So it's a way to kind of fight this, you know, as the researchers call it, an unfortunate evolutionary coincidence with some interesting science that can come out of it. There's actual footage of the funnel web spider up at inverse.com with Nina's piece. You can head there to read more about the study. Thanks so much, Nina. Thanks so much. Head to inverse.com to read more about the latest wildlife studies. You can find links in the show notes for all stories we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at inverse.com. Got something to say? Email us at theabstract@inverse.com with any questions, suggestions, story ideas, and anything else on your mind. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening. <laughs>